Well, good morning, Papado Beach. How are you guys doing this morning? Hey, my name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here at Coastal, and we're so happy that you decided to join us this morning. Uh, we started a series called Anything But Ordinary last week, and, and I truly believe that this is a really, really opportune time for you to be here and be a part of this church. In fact, we started this campus last week, and so if you're here, you're kind of on the ground level, and I would just want to encourage you uh, to jump in, get involved, give us a chance, and see what God does in your life, because I believe that this year for your life, it can be anything but ordinary. It doesn't have to be mundane. It ha doesn't have to be normal. It doesn't have to be boring. I believe that God has so much more for your life, and I don't think that any of us started out in life hoping to just have a life where we just survived it. Like where we just woke up day after day and just put one foot in front of the other and just kind of plowed through life. I don't believe that that's what we desired for our life. I don't believe that any of us just hoped that we would survive our marriage, that it would just be a normal marriage. But I think most of us that are married believe that, man, that this would be one of the greatest relationships that I've ever experienced and had in my life. And so we talked about last week that, that having this life that is anything but ordinary is all about seizing the opportunities that are around us. And we started it off last week by talking about this quote from an old revivalist named Leonard Ravenhill that said this. He said, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. He's saying, like, the things that we want for our lives, the, the moments that are out there, they're moments. And every opportunity in life has an expiration date. And if we don't take advantage of those opportunities, then a lot of times we miss out on what could and should be for our lives. And I don't want any person in this area, in this auditorium, in our church to miss out on what God has for your life this year. And last week we started off talking about a guy named Joshua and the opportunities that he had that, that were these faith-filled moments where he stepped out and trusted God to do something unbelievable and God would show up in incredible ways in his life. And we talked about the reason he was able to trust God in those moments, the way that he was able to step out and walk out some of those huge things was the fact that he understood that contact with the creator was essential for faith-filled living. If he was going to live this life that was faith-filled and, and just stepping out into the unknown, into what could and should be for his life, then something had to fuel that in life. And his relationship with God was the very thing that, that fueled that. And we talked about he prayed this prayer at one point, and it was one of the boldest and biggest prayers that's ever been prayed in the Bible. And it was in a moment where they were battling this people called the Amalekites, and the sun was going down, and he, he prayed this prayer, and he said, God, would you hold the sun and let it stand still so we can finish this battle? And lo and behold, God showed up in a huge way, and man, the sun stood still in that battle. And, and, and we said, this whole thing, we ask this question is, is, what is that crazy prayer that you need to pray in your life? What is that kind of sun stand still prayer that you need to be praying? Maybe it's for your marriage here today. Maybe you're, you're fighting like cats and dogs and you just can't seem to go get along. And, and even thinking about the fact that your marriage could be better is just like so bold and so crazy. Like just uttering those words would blow your mind. And, and like that's the prayer you need to pray. Maybe it's for your finances. There's more month than there is money. And you're wondering how you're going to get out of debt and how you're going to pay all these bills. And, and maybe that's the prayer that you need to pray. Maybe it's for some sickness that's in your body that you just, you've gone to every doctor, you've been to every hospital, and nobody seems to have a clue. And you, you need to pray a bold prayer that God would do something supernatural in your life. And I don't know what it is for you, but it's, it's time for us to, to live these faith-filled lives where we trust God 
with some of those bigger things in our lives. And today we're going to be looking at a guy named Abraham, and he's also known as Abram before God changed his name. So it's not like I'm talking about two people. If I say Abram or Abraham, it's the same guy. Just so you know, I'm not crazy or cray-cray or on crack this morning, okay, uh, or any morning for that matter. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to find that because somebody's going to be like, that pastor's on crack. And uh, <laughs> a lot of caffeine, but not crack, okay? Okay. Um, and so, and so the, this guy, you know, he, he, he takes, he's, he does some bold things in life, and we're going to read through his story, and we're going we're gonna to talk about some of these people in the Bible, because there's something that's really, really significant about every single person in the Bible, and that's this, is that all of them had a faith-filled journey that they had to go on. And all of us have a journey of faith that we need to go on. And our journey is not going to look the same as somebody else's journey. And so that's why it's important to look at other people, to see the journey that they're on, so that we can understand what maybe God is going to do in our lives and maybe some, some things that he is about in life. And so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, that's where we're going to be hanging out today. If you don't have a Bible, you can look up at the screen. If you don't, can't see the screen, uh, I don't know what we're going to do. So... Uh, you can just imagine it. And so this whole story of Abram starts in Genesis chapter 11, and it goes through Genesis chapter 25. Uh, I encourage you, if you want to be like the teacher's pet or you just really want some downtime to read some text, I encourage you to read this whole story. It's an incredible story, so rich, so great. And so I, I think you, you should know that. And uh, what you need to know about Abraham is that Abraham is just an average Joe. Like, he is no different than you and I. I mean, he is like the same as us. In fact, um, if you read here, you, you think when you hear about characters like Abraham that they've been following God all of their life, and they've just been waiting for God to do something incredible. But where we're starting right here in, in Genesis chapter 12, the reality is, is that Abraham has just met God. Like, he's lived 75 years of his life going after dreams, going after desires, going after all these things, and he is just now meeting God. And, and I believe that, that Abram is a lot like you and I, and, and that's this, is that we all, and sorry, I'm going to do some art today, so um, forgive my art skills. You know, this is a, a picture frame, okay, just so you know, it's not a box, it's a picture frame. And, and Abraham is a lot like us. Like, Abram has some dreams, and he has some goals in his life, and I, I know one of the things, Abram was, uh, was married, and, and so he had a wife, and, and so I know he probably had some some dreams. She was skinny. Um, they, pro she probably, they probably had some dreams for his marriage. He's probably like most marriages. They have some issues because we all got issues. And, and so they probably have some issues. He's like, he has some dreams for what his marriage is going to look like in the future. And he's thinking about that and he's dreaming about that. Um, I know that Abraham probably was dreaming about um, a house. You know, everybody has a dream for a house in their life. And, you know, he's probably thinking about, man, I would love to have a house. And if he has a house, he probably wants a bigger house because that's that's just our mentality is like, man, I would want a bigger house. And so he's a dream about what that's going to look like for his life. I know one of the big, big, big things in his life is that Abram and Sarah don't have kids. And so I know one of the things that's constantly on his mind is like, when am I going to have kids? Like one of my big dreams is kids because like in that time and day and age, like kids were a big deal. And if you didn't have kids, man, you were less than. And so his big dream was that he would have some kids. And so he's dreaming about that. He's hoping for that. 
that. He's believing for that. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that like he probably had some of these issues, uh, money issues. Like he's hoping that like this is gonna be the year that he's gonna have more money. Like he's like Jerry Maguire, show me the money. You know, like that's like he's dreaming about his bank account running over Floyd Mayweather, throwing it in the air for other people, like just crazy. Like he's dreaming about that. I think that like most people, he's, he probably wants to have more influence in life. And I don't know how to draw influence, so I'm just going to draw a ladder because that's all I know. And so like maybe he's like trying to climb the ladder in life and, and have more influence in his life. And, and so, you know, he has all of these things in his life. These are his hopes. These are his dreams. This is a picture of his future that he wants. And we all have these. In fact, um, in, in your worship God, you'll inside there you'll you'll see a piece of paper like this and um and and it's a it's a picture frame and and I, I put these in your worship gods. Technically I did not push these in your worship gods. Somebody put them in your worship gods like I just told them to do that. And um and what I'd like you to do is maybe maybe after service or sometime maybe like during a down point in the message, you know, there's always that point. Like you just we're just honest here, okay? Like, I know it's not all that in a bag of chips, okay? Uh, maybe, like, in the down point, like, you can, you can draw, like, your picture for your future. And I took a couple minutes before church, and, and I was drawing out mine. And, and you, you can't see this, but, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it anyways. Um, like, I have, I have two stick figures here uh, for, for Shayla and I. Like, I have huge dreams for my wife. And myself, like, man, I believe God's got some incredible things for our marriage in this year. And there's some things that he wants to do in our marriage that are going to make it even better. And, man, I'm believing that and I'm hoping for that and I'm dreaming about that. Uh, I also got um, what what looks like a prison on here but really is a, a, a crib. Um, and... Uh, because my wife and I, we don't have kids, and, like, I'm believing God that this is going to be the year that we have kids. And so, like, man, I have, I have big dreams for, for that little boy. Like, and I know it's a boy. We're not pregnant yet, so don't ask, okay? But I know it's going to be a boy, and trip is going to be crazy. I'm just letting you know. Crazy. And so, like, man, I have big dreams for that dude. Like, I have, I have bigger goals than my own life for that guy, and I want better things for him than I have for my life. And, and man, so I have some big dreams about that. Uh, I have a house on here because, you know, my wife and I have lived here for four years now. We started a, a church in Coconut Creek, and now we came over here to help start this one here with, with Craig leading that. And, and, you know, we're ready to settle down in this area. And I, I believe that, man, this is a year that we really settle down some more and, and make some deeper roots than what we currently have. And I have a picture of Africa because if you hang out with me for any bit of time, like I have a huge heart for South Africa and, and the pastor that we're, we're partnering with over there, Pastor, pastor Jele. And um, in fact, we're going to be taking a missions trip this year to Africa at the end of June, early July. Man, I'd love for you to be a part of that. See what we're doing over there in the church and with kids. It's incredible. Um, I have a picture of a church right here. with a, It's got a steeple with a cross. That isn't really us, but like it's a good picture. And Because uh, I have big dreams for our church. Man, I have huge dreams for our church this year. I have huge dreams for you and what God wants to do in your life this year. And I want to help see that come into play. And, and, and this is like a, a symbol right here. It's, a, it's an arrow for a, a, a discipleship group I do with a, a, a group of guys. It's called Elevate. And, uh, man, I have huge dreams for these guys. I want to I help them discover the potential that's within them. And so, man, like part of my picture is I want to see them walk out the things that God has for their lives. And, and so the, this, this, is, this is my picture, and, and these are my dreams, and, and this is what I want for this year. And, and the reason I bring this up is because we all have pictures like this. 
We all have these things. We all have some desires and some hopes for our future, and we all have things that, that we're dreaming about and we're wanting in our life. And, and Abraham is no different. He's wanting these things in his life, and he's dreaming about these things. And right as he's doing all this, like God bursts onto the scene in his life, and it kind of changes everything thing in that moment. And, 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 and he's just like us. I mean, this dude, for 75 years, it isn't like he's been sitting around just abiding in God this entire time. For 75 years, his entire life has been chasing after these things. Man, he's been working hard. He's been doing everything that he can. He's been building businesses. He's been building homes. He's been doing everything that he can to make these things a reality in his life. And he's manipulating situations, and he's trying to control things, and he's trying to work things out just like we do, just like I do trying to make my picture happen. And I think that probably one night while Abraham's dreaming about these things and he's wondering about these things, wondering when am I going to have a son and who am I going to give all this stuff to and, and, and am I going to be able to retire? Is this really, really going to happen in my life? And one of those restless nights, I believe God like busts up in his dream and says this in Genesis chapter 12. It says, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. God says, man, go to this land that I'll show you. Like, go to this place that you don't even know where it is, and go there. And, and, and like, that's kind of a crazy thing. And it reminds me of when I was a kid. I, I don't know if you remember this, but as a kid, one of my dad's favorite sayings to me was like, wait and see. Um, I, would, I would go like, hey, dad, can we, when we get home from school today, can we go outside and like throw the baseball around? He goes, I don't know, TJ, wait and see. And then I'd be like, dad, 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 this weekend, can we, can we go to the soccer fields and play some soccer? He'd be like, I don't know, TJ, why don't you just wait and see? And I'd be like, Dad, Dad, can we, what, what's, what's for dinner tonight? What are we going to eat tonight? And he'd be like, I don't know, TJ, why don't you just wait and see? And it was like a constant wait and see. I'd be like, Dad, can we, can we go to Toys R Us tonight? No. <laughs> it was like always no on that one. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it was like this, this constant wait and see, and I like hated it, and I hate it now. And, but yet all throughout our lives, doesn't it seem like it's this constant wait and see in our lives? Isn't it seem like it's like always like we're almost there and God's like, wait and see. Or something else in life is like, hold up, wait and see. And so God comes to Abraham and he goes, hey, go to this land. Well, well where's that land? Just go. How, how will I know when I get there? You'll know. Well, can you give me like some coordinates? Just wait and see. And for some of us today, we feel like that we're in this constant wait and see in life with God as well. We're like this wait and see moment because all of us hate waiting and seeing. We hate ambiguity. We hate not knowing what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. And so we're like, God, when? And he's like, wait and see. And we're like, no, 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 God, God, you don't understand. When am I going to finally find that someone that I've been looking for all of my life? God, when is this sickness that's been ravishing my body that I have to go to doctor, to doctor, to hospital, to hospital? When is that going to go away? God, when am I going to finally have the career that I've always longed for? I've been working and working and working and climbing and climbing and climbing. When, God, when is this grind going to end in life? God, when am I going to finally have a kid? God, when is all of this going to happen? And God's just like, wait and see. And it's frustrating. 
And Abraham's like, when? And God goes, wait and see. Verse 4 says, Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So here's, here's Abram. He's obedient. He sets out. He takes everything that he has. He packs everything up. He sets out, and he finally arrives in the land. Like, you would think he has arrived, like, it is party time, like, hey, oh, you know, like, throw, throw, like, a gig right there, you know, like, maybe, like, one of these, all of that. Like, it is party time up in there. I mean, God said, man, I'll make your name great. God said, man, I'll make you a father of many nations. God said, man, I'll bless you, and people who curse you, I'll curse them. Like, God said all this. I mean, isn't this how it's supposed to work in the Christian life? Like, there's a, there's a common equation that we give out in the Christian life and in church. It's like, God calls, you listen, you obey, and then he blesses, right? God calls, you listen, you obey, and then he blesses. That's the equation that we've been given all of our life. And in some cases, that's exactly how God works, but not in this case. Continue reading on. Verse 10, it says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt and lived there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Now, women, you know right there if you're married, when your guy starts whispering sweet nothings to you, he's up to something. Like, She's like, what are you buttering me up for? And uh, he continues on. He says, listen, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife? Then they will kill me, but, I will, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister. Like, that right there is just never a good idea. Like, it's never good to tell somebody that, that like, your wife is your sister. Like, just not good. It's kind of disgusting, too. Anyway, so, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my, wife, my life will be spared because of you. Now, last week we talked about Joshua, and one of the things I said in that message is it's really, really, really important that we don't build our theology of our faith on one story in the Bible because, uh, you know, Joshua prayed this prayer, and God answered instantaneously. And the reason we don't build our theology off one story is because right here we see that, that Joshua did that, and it was instantaneous, and Abraham does his thing, and it wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't met right at that moment. And that's because our journeys of faith look different for each and every one of us. Our stories all look different because God has made us, not, has made us individuals, not like these cookie cutters of each other. Now, the problem that the big church, the big C, has made is that we've given you all these formulas. We've said, if you do this, then God will do that. Or if you do that, then God will do this in your life. And what happens is, is, is you go and do that, and God doesn't do this. And you get mad. And you get angry. And the reason that that does not work is because all throughout Scripture, if you read this book, you'll see that God is saying one thing and one thing only, and that is this whole idea that you cannot predict God. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you try to manipulate the situation, no matter how much you think that if I do this formula, it's going to work this way, God says, I am completely unpredictable, and I'm going to do it in my way and in my time, and you're just going to have to deal with that. 
And my problem is, is I'm guilty of this as well. Man, I, like, I want to give the formula. Like, the formula makes sense to me. Formula makes sense to you too because we're used to equations. I do this, this happens. Because we love control. We like security. And the journey of faith is neither of those things. And this is why it looks so differently for some people like Joshua than it looks for people like Abraham in life. Some people goes on and on and on. And the reason because of that is because God cares about more about who we are becoming than where we're going in life. So many of us, we care more about where we're going than who we're becoming, but the, the opposite is true for God. God has cared about who we're becoming. So the reality is, is God didn't really care how the Israelites crossed the Jordan River. Like, they just stepped into faith and did that. He didn't really care how the walls of Jericho came down. He didn't really care how Abraham got to his promise. What he cared about was who was Joshua becoming. What he cared about was who was Abraham becoming. What he cares about is who are you becoming in life. And because he cares about who you're becoming, he's not going to put you on the same process as everybody else because your story and your faith journey is unique. And so what we read here is, is Abraham steps out in faith, and at the very first sign of trouble, he gets to the land of Canaan, and all of a sudden there's a famine, and what does he do? He runs. He runs to Egypt, and he takes off there. Now, did God call him to Egypt? No. He called him to Canaan. This is significant for us because what's going to happen in our lives is we're going to have opportunities, these faith-filled moments to step out into faith, and we're going to get all jacked up, and we're going to get excited. I'm stepping out in faith, man. God is up to something, and all of a sudden, hardship, trouble, pain is going to pop up, and our first reaction is to run to security. Our first reaction is to run to the safe place, to run to our Egypt, and we've got to be so, so, so careful not to run towards those things, but to continue to trust God in those moments. And so here's Abram, and he's on his way to Egypt, and, and he's scared, and, and he's, he's, he's worried about his situation. And so he looks at his wife, who, remember, is 75 years old, okay, and says, listen, I need to tell people you're my sister because you're so hot. When you get scared, you get a little delusional, don't you? I mean... I mean, maybe she was. I don't know. But I mean, like, not only does he get delusional, but he starts lying about it. And here's why that's important. Because when we're running after God, we can never give up our God-given values in pursuit of our God-given dreams. We can never give up our values in pursuit of our dreams. And it's so easy when, when all of a sudden we're chasing after these pictures of our life and all of a sudden they start to slip out of our hands. It's really easy to give up values in order to, to stick to these, isn't it? It's really easy to compromise in those moments when these things seem to be falling away from where we want them to be and where we want them to go, that we will compromise in those moments. And it's so important that we don't ever give that up. I love this story of Abraham because this is just one of the many, many, many cowardly moments in his life. And, and the Bible kind of puts all of them out and it gives me hope because faith journey is hard and it's difficult and it's times that I cower, there's times that I'm scared. And I know that in the midst of that, that God can do something unbelievable if I'll just continue to follow after him. Because the one thing that Abraham shows me is that, man, following God is not going to be smooth. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be this, this cakewalk. But man, there's going to be some difficulty that's going to come along with it. 
And Abraham gets to this point where, like, he is just at this moment of frustration where he's like, God, I've given up everything in life. Man, I've given up my, my dream job. I've given up my home. I've done everything to follow you. You said that you will make me a great nation. You said that I will have kids. And, and the reason he's so frustrated is, is because he's left everything that he found his security in. He's left everything that he found his worth and his value in. And this is what you'll discover about God. If you live long enough following him and you want to love him more and more, and that is that God loves you enough to strip you of anything that keeps you from him. Anything that is replacing him in life, he's going to strip you of that thing. In Genesis 15, 1 through 3, continue on. It says, after this. And I just want to stop right there because a lot of times we, we, we read a, a scripture like after this and to start something and we just skip right over that. And, and, and the question is, is like after what? Like after, after what? I'll tell you what it was. After, after almost a decade of disappointment, that's what's after. After 10 to 15 years of, of believing God for a promise that hasn't come to fruition. After 10 to 15 years of, of living in a land that is occupied by other people. After 10 to 15 years of, of believing God that he's going to bring this son and it still hasn't happened. After 10 or 15 years of believing that, man, my name is going to be great and I'm a nobody in this land. After 10 or 15 years of believing that God was going to do this in this way and in this time and it hasn't happened. It says, after this. After this. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He said, do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your very great reward. God just comes to Abram and says, man, Abram, I've got something for you. And I think that this is the moment that Abraham has been waiting for. This is the moment that he has been longing for and desiring. He's thinking, man, he's going to tell me I'm about to have a son. He's going to tell me my name is about to become great, that I'm going to finally have this great nation. And he's like waiting on God to give him this promise. And God says, man, I've got something even better for you than a son. The gift that I'm going to give you is so much better than that. And the gift that I'm going to give you is me. Abraham, I'm the prize, I'm the reward. And this is how Abraham responds. And Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate as Eleazar of Damascus? And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And this is where Abram's kind of confident attitude with God. He said, God, you promised all of this stuff. Man, God, you said all of this stuff was going to happen. Like he, and right here you're seeing that Abraham has reduced his dream to almost nothing. Because the dream initially was as you're going to be a father in a great nation of people. And now he's like, God, if I can just have one son. Man, if I can just have one kid. One kid who will take my, my wealth. One kid that will take my fortune. One kid that will take my name and, and, and continue to spread it. Man, if it can just be one. And he's reduced this enormous God-sized dream down to one kid. And some of you, you know exactly how he feels right there. Some of you know exactly the pain and the anguish that he is experiencing because, I mean, how many of you would be willing to be honest and say, man, I, I believe that God has given me at least one dream that hasn't yet been fulfilled. Man, I, I know my hand's up. And I'm sure that there's a lot of us that are out there that, Man, God has put some dreams and some desires and some things in our lives and it. It just hasn't come into play. And 
And God comes back to Abraham and says, man, God, Abraham, you're not getting this. Like, I know you want a son, but what I'm giving you is so much better, and it's so much bigger, and it's so much greater than an uh, earthly kid can have. I'm giving you something that isn't just temporary. I'm giving you something that's eternal, and I'm giving you me. Like, the best gift that you could have in life is me in your life. I'm the prize. I'm the reward. And if we think about faith for a moment, we always think about faith as this step that we take. And I, and I believe that part of faith is a step. But faith is so much more than a step. It's a journey. It's, it's one step after another, after another. And it's continually following after God. And what I'm learning and what I see all throughout Scripture is that, man, it's, it's this journey that's not just for a day or it's not just for a season, but it's for a lifetime. And what you see over and over again is, is Abraham has this picture for his life, and he picks it up, and he, he's clinging onto it so, 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 so tight. And then every once in a while, he gets to this place where he's like, okay, God, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you with it. And he starts to, to back away, and something happens, and he snatches that thing back up. And he's like, man, I've got that picture so, 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 so tight. And, and before long, he's like, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna put to it, put it back down. And eventually, eventually, Abraham learns to let go of his idea, his dream, of, of his control, of his manipulation, and say, God, I'm going to trust you. And through that, God ends up giving him the son that he's always desired in his life. And then God asks him to give up that son, the very thing that has been his dream in life, his security, his, his eternal fortune that he's sought after all of his days of his life, his kid. He asks him to give that up, and Abraham is more than willing to do that. And I think to myself, how in the world did Abram get to that point where he would be willing to give up the thing that was most precious to him? And how in the world did you and I get to a point where we're willing to give up the things that we see as most precious to us in order to receive the thing that God wants for us? And if you were to read through Abram's life and you were to, to look at some of the things, you would see that throughout Abram's life, he had this tendency that any time God would show up in his life or God would fulfill a promise or something great would happen that God did, he would build these things called altars. And he would worship God. And if you were to journey throughout the places that he'd been, you would see these monuments of God's faithfulness all over the place. Because we have to find ways in our lives to remember God's faithfulness. Because when the going gets tough, you know what we forget? We forget how faithful God's been in our past. And we start looking at our situation, and we've got to find ways to mark God's faithfulness in our lives. We've got to find ways to remember what he's done and how he's done it. It's one of the reasons why I journal in my life so I can remember the times that God has come through. It's one of the reasons why I have pictures of major events in my life so I can look back. When I'm in tough circumstances, when I'm in tough circumstances and differences, and those things are happening, and I can look back and say, man, if God got me through that, what's he going to do right now? Like, if God was faithful then, he's going to be faithful now. And we've got to find ways in our life to do that. We've got to find ways to remember how faithful he has been. I think Abraham also did another thing, is Abraham found a way to focus in on God with his life. And I think it all goes back to that Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and some, some key things that were in there that Abraham held on to. And it says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. 
I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. See, Abraham got to this place where he remembered that his God was the God of I will. The God wasn't the God of I'll try. The God wasn't the God of I can't. God wasn't the God of maybe if I'm not too busy today, I'll, I'll get to that. That God wasn't that. That God was the God of I will in life. And for some of you, that's really, really important today because you're going through some desperate times right now. And you're wondering, man, how am I going to make it through this situation? And God's saying, God's saying, I will be your strength in the day. Some of you guys are going through some financial difficulties. You're going through some struggles in your finances. And God's saying, I will be your provider. Some of you are going through some health issues today. And, and you're going through all these things. And God's saying, I will be your healer. Some of you have this uneasiness and this angst in your life. And he's saying, man, I will be your shield today and you need to know that God is the God of I will of I will it's not he can't or he won't it's I will now when I think about most of us and I think about what keeps us from living this life that is anything but ordinary the thing that I think that holds us back more than anything else is our picture. The dreams that we hold on to, the goals that we hold on to, the aspirations that we cling so tightly to. And the reason they hold us back is because they're all ours. not necessarily God's. And this is what I know about your life and I know about my life because I'm no different than you. Is that I hold so tightly to this, I have no opportunity to grab hold of anything that God wants to do in my life because I'm grabbing with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all my strength to these things. And see, we need to start positioning ourselves and letting go of these things and opening ourselves up to what God has for us. Because from this position, the opportunities that come our way, you know what we're able to do? We're able to grab hold of them. We can't grab them when we have this. When this is our position in life, we miss the opportunity of a lifetime to have a fellowship and a relationship with our Creator. And listen, I'm the king of, of snatching this thing back up. And say, man, I'm gonna hold on to this. And it's a daily, it's a daily thing that I go, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay this down. And I'm gonna stay in a position of surrender. And I'm not gonna try to control. I'm not gonna try to manipulate. I'm not gonna try to make my dream happen, but I'm gonna be open to what you have for me. Let's pray. God, I just come before you. And I thank you that today that you want to do something in people's hearts and in people's lives. And I know for so many of us, we have a picture of what we want our lives to look like and what we want it to feel like and smell like and 
tastes like. And we have all these dreams and goals. And it's so easy for us to try to take control and to manipulate circumstances and, and try to force outcomes. But I think that if we're going to really live a life that is anything but ordinary, that we got to be willing to do something that most people aren't willing to do, and that's surrender our picture for such a better picture. And that's the picture you have for our life. That because we're so focused on what we want, we miss out on what you have for us. God, I pray that today would be a day that we surrender those things to you. That we let go of what we hope for in order to get what you have for us. I pray this all in Jesus' name.